0: Alright, alright, I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving, and I hope that you've all repented of the sin of gluttony, Uh I'm sure that, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> good, repent, sinner. Okay, so we're in the series on overcoming temptation, and uh, today I want to talk about a passage It's a real well-known passage, uh, it's a, the classic passage when it comes to uh, resisting the temptations of the, the evil one, the cosmic thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy And uh, it's found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, uh, 17. 10 through 17. We read part of it during the worship service. Um, Now, I'm going to tell you, uh, these passages are just packed with truth. Just packed. And uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground in a short uh, span of time here. So, this is a fairly, in fact, this is a wildly intense message. I mean, it's just intense. Uh, So, are you ready for an intense message? parishioners? are you ready for an intense message? Uh, it's, it's packed. I encourage you to take notes. Kids uh, are not going to remember all of this, but it's, it's all important. We're going to go through the full armor here. We could spend two months on this, but we're going to spend 40 minutes on it uh, if the Lord gives me the gift of succinctness. Uh, so the full armor of God. I'm going to go through this line by line. Right? We're just going to you know take it one line at a time. Father, I pray that you would just anoint this message and uh, open the hearts of everyone in this auditorium and everyone listening through podcasts and fuse this message with your authority uh, that it can do things that my words alone could never do. Build your kingdom in our life. Free us, as we just saying, uh, God. Uh, let that love cast out all fear. Uh, let our fear be drowned in the truth of who you are and the truth of who we are. And, and uh, God just used this message to equip us to be soldiers in His war that stand against the deceptions of the enemy. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. amen, amen. Diving right in first, starting with verse 10, Paul says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Note that. This battle that we're fighting here is not to be fought on our own power. It's fought on his power. So we're strong when we're leaning on his power. And his power comes this way, put on the whole armor of God. Don't leave out any article of clothing we're going to talk about here. Why? So that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, We don't use this word wiles very much anymore. I don't hear it anyways. But uh, the the Greek word is methodeia. And we get the word method from it. And so it just refers to the schemes of the devil, the method, the strategies that he devises against us. Now, if if the devil has strategies that he devises against us, he clearly has something like a mind, uh, an intelligence, a diabolical intelligence to be sure, but an intelligence nonetheless. And I point that out because it means that uh, when we think about Satan, as I mentioned last week, we can't think of that this is just a symbol of evil as so many people today seem to want to think about things. Uh, This isn't just a mere symbol, and if we think about this as just a a symbol of evil or a mythological expression, well, for one thing, uh, we set ourselves up against the authority of Jesus, and if Jesus is your Lord, that kind of puts you in an awkward position. You don't want to be correcting his theology, because he clearly believed that Satan was this intelligent, evil, cosmic agent. A thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But not only that, but it makes it, 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 makes it much harder to make sense out of this world. Like how, uh, how, how is this world created by an all-good God when it's so messed up? It's not just messed up because people are messed up, though that is certainly true, but it's messed up in every possible way. Structure leaving. I mean, how do you make sense out of cancer and, and, and other diseases and uh, deformities and, and weather disasters and the violence in nature and parasites and all the rest? If you don't... If you think nature is just all the way God created it to be, uh, I would have a hard time, frankly, if I didn't think that there was a, an evil cosmic agent that has a corrupting influence in the world, even on nature, I'd have a hard time believing in an all-good God, an all-good creator. Um, so so it, it, it's important just in terms of understanding the world that we, that we believe in the reality of Satan and other cosmic powers. But not only that, but, but, but this has to affect the way we live. It makes a world of a difference whether you think there's a roaring lion out there, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, or whether you think everything's just going hunky-dory and we live on some kind of vacation resort where God's will is already being done all over the place. It's like, um, I'm sure most of you heard that they, they suspect there's a serial killer uh, going uh, loose in, in the Tampa Bay area. He's already killed four or five people. He's ran people, He's murderous people. Um, now, do you think it makes a difference to the... Uh, Residents of Tampa, whether they believe that there's a serial killer or not, I mean, obviously, if you, if you believe the reports that there's a serial killer or even just a possible serial killer walking around out there, you're going to do things a little differently than you normally would. You're not going to go out for your normal 10 o'clock at night walk with the dog all alone. And, and you, you know, you're, you're going to take precautions, and you'll lock, make sure your doors are locked and things like that. Whereas if you don't believe that, you'll just go about life as usual, and that just means that you'll be more vulnerable to that, to that uh, serial killer than then you would be if you had believed those reports. Same thing is true about the reality of Satan and the co- cosmic powers. Um, that uh, uh, we should never be afraid of them. We're never to live in fear. If you're walking in your identity in Christ, they've got no authority over you. But by the same means, uh, we have to be aware of their reality. It's like with germs, you know, you don't have to be afraid of germs. Uh, but you're aware of germs, and so you take certain ordinary precautions. Don't You don't, shouldn't obsess on it. Uh, but they're there. So also, with Satan and the powers, uh, we're, we're to be aware that they're there. And, and um, that will alter the way that we live. It will also alter the clothing we wear. By that, I'm referring to this armor of God we're going to be talking about. If, in fact, there is this ever-present kingdom of darkness, we talked about last week, uh, that is... Always at work, the way gravity is at work on a physical level. They're always trying to pull us down. If that's true, well, we have to put our armor on every day because we're walking out into a battle zone. Paul describes this battle zone in uh, verse 12. He says, For our struggle is not against enemies of flesh and blood, or blood and flesh, but against the rulers, and against authorities, and against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. Look how, how Paul describes this world, this present darkness. It's not a vacation resort. It's a war zone. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Uh, these titles refer to you know, rulers and authorities and cosmic forces and things like that. There's 13 of them, at least 13 in the New Testament. And they refer, we know from the literature of the time, that they refer to different uh, categories of cosmic agents. These aren't your run of the mill angels. The word angel actually means messenger, one who's sent. And so, the angels are the particular angels that visit us and Talk to Mary and all that kind of stuff. But these are like archangels or high-ranking cosmic powers. And the different titles show different categories uh, of these agents. Um, they, they were given authority over aspects of nature and aspects of human society, uh, according to the literature of the, uh, at the time in the first century. Um, but when they rebelled against God, they now used that authority at cross-purposes with God, which is why they exercise a corrupting, damaging influence in nature, and in human society. Now, Paul, unlike a lot of the literature of the time that talked about these rulers and authorities and causing powers, Paul reflects no curiosity. In fact, no one in the New Testament reflects any curiosity about the details of their job descriptions and their rankings and things like that. Um, and I would encourage you to steer clear of anyone who likes to speculate about that stuff because they just get themselves into weirdness. Uh, it's enough for us to know that they are our real enemy and that we are to be living, we're aware of the reality and we're to be living in resistance to their perpetual destructive influence. That's all we need to know. There's cosmic powers out there, the chief being the thief, the cosmic thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Uh, and, and we're to live in resistance to them. So when people forget or just don't believe in the reality of these cosmic powers and the reality of Satan, um, then, then what can easily happen is that we begin to think that other human beings, flesh and blood, are our enemies. Uh, when we aren't aware of the influence of these powers, we begin to direct our fighter instinct that we're all born with, that was supposed to be directed against the powers, but now we start to direct it against other human beings. Uh, and, and we're being played by the powers. In the end, we're either fighting the powers as our real enemy, or we're being played by the powers who deceive us into thinking that flesh and blood is our enemy. Uh, what Paul's telling us is that, that if, if, uh, if it's got flesh and blood, it's not someone we're supposed to be fighting against, it's someone we're supposed to be fighting for. And, and, and we, we, we do that by refusing to ever not love them. Uh, and in and, and doing that, regardless of what they think about us, they may hate us, they may have ill intentions for us, but we, we, we refuse to not love them. And in doing that, we're waging war against the powers that are always trying to get us to think that the other human being is our enemy. This is actually the most damaging and most foundational uh, deception that the cosmic thief has afflicted humans with. Uh, Think about this. Throughout history, every human being that's ever identified another human being as an enemy that needs to be killed was being played by the powers. And so by this one dark deception, uh, the thief has managed to kill, steal, and destroy millions upon millions upon millions of lives. And the sickest part of it is that he just had to use other human beings to do it. So this, this, in this present darkness, there's this, this encompassing deception. But if you're a kingdom person, you are called to live in contradiction of that, to resist that, and put on display uh, a different kind of kingdom and a different kind of love and a different kind of warfare. Uh, don't be played by the powers. Lock this in. If it's got flesh and blood, it's not your enemy. However things may appear to your natural eye, if it's got flesh and blood, it's someone that you to be fighting for by refusing not to love them and thereby pushing back on the powers. Amen? Amen. Okay, then Paul goes on and says this. Therefore, in light of the fact that we have this spiritual battle going on, in light of the fact that this world is a war zone, in light of the reality of this present darkness, therefore, you got to dress appropriately. Take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten, and here's the first article of clothing, fasten the belt of truth around your waist, the belt of Jesus. Now, when uh, throughout this whole passage, Paul is using imagery—the imagery of a Roman soldier. It looks like that. That's a great drawing by Eric. Ro- imagery of a Roman soldier, and the belt of a Roman soldier. The primary function was to hold the whole, hold everything else together. It, it held all the armor together. Uh, it, it's the only article of clothing that that the, surrounded the whole body of the soldier, and Paul identifies this as the belt of truth. Uh, soldiers usually put the belt on last, but Paul mentions it first because it's so foundational to everything else, and it holds everything else together, this belt of truth. Um, we're to strap it on and not take it off. It holds the whole thing together. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, it, and the reason it's so foundational, this belt of truth, is because what we're up against is deception. I mentioned this last week. The, the devil has got one tool in his toolbox, and that is deception. And he uses it in a million different ingenious ways, but it's always the same tool, deception. And the only antidote to deception is truth. And so we really only have one weapon that we use. We use it a lot of different ways, but it's always the same weapon. It's the weapon of truth. Uh, In fact, all of the armor we're going to see here is different ways of applying truth. But the most fundamental one is this this belt of truth that we're to always have. We're to surround ourselves with truth. Jesus says, "The truth You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Uh, we are as liberated uh, as we are grounded in the truth. We're walking with this belt of truth. The truth that he's talking about is, is, is the, the truth that, that is revealed in a definitive way in the person of Jesus Christ, and especially in the crucified Christ. Uh, in, in Christ crucified, we learn the truth about who God is, and the truth about who we are, and the truth about others, and the truth about all of life. All of that truth is stuff we're supposed to surround, our with, uh, surround ourselves with day in and day out. Day out. Uh, don't go out of the house in the morning without having put on the belt of truth about who God is. Um, against all of the deceptive pictures of God that the enemy tries to get us to believe, the mean, vengeful, stuff that undermines our relationship with God. And against all of that, you wear the belt of truth that says that g- God is fully revealed in Jesus Christ crucified. And wear the belt of truth that, 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 that includes this, this truth, that God is love. God is, is perfect, uh, other-oriented, enemy-embracing love. God is unalterable, unconquerable, uncontainable, unwavering, unfathomable love. Wear that belt. Saturate your brain with that truth. Amen. Always have on, on you the truth that God is always good, all the time. And all the time, God is good, and he's never against you. He's always for you, always on your side. However things may appear, whatever else is going on, lock that truth in. And don't go out of the house without the truth about who you are. Make that part of the belt that you wear. Truth about who you are. And against all of the deceptive, lying, terrible, arrogant, shameful things that the enemy might get, get you to try to get you to believe about yourself, Uh, You wear the truth that you are one for whom Jesus died. You are loved with a perfect, everlasting love. You're surrounded with that love 24-7. And when the enemy goes after you and accuses you, You remind yourself of the truth that you are holy and blameless in Christ. And when the enemy says you're all on your own, uh, you remind yourself of the truth that you are never alone because the spirit of Christ dwells within you and he will never leave you or forsake you. And when the enemy tries to get you anxious and terrified like he did Brianna, you you, you remind him of the truth that perfect love casts out all fear (laughs) and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? Amen? And when the enemy tries to get you to believe that you're weak and you can't accomplish things, you remind yourself of the truth. You wear this on, 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 on your belt. The truth that, that in Christ you can do all things and you can endure all things and you're more than a conqueror in all things. Saturate your mind with truths like that. and Stand in that because that's what protects you from the lies of the enemy. And, and, and the, the, wear the truth about others. The cross reveals everything we need to know about, about other people. Um, against all the strategies of the enemy that try to get us to judge other people and gossip about them in our mind and with our words and to look down on them, uh, to be afraid of them, against all those strategies. We're this truth that every single person we see and ever will see has a worth that could not be increased in all eternity. Every person we see has unsurpassable worth uh, by virtue of the fact that Jesus gave his life for them. And it doesn't matter whether you approve or disapprove of the way they look or the way that they smell or the clothes that they wear. It doesn't matter whether you like or dislike uh, their politics or their religion or their lifestyle or their choices or their sexual orientation. It doesn't matter what you think about anything about them that appears as irrelevant. Your job as a disciple of Jesus Christ is to agree with him that that person has unsurpassable worth and to reflect that unsurpassable worth by how you think about them, how you interact with them. Amen. Most fundamental job of, of a disciple. Wear that truth all day long. And then wear the truth uh, about what Jesus reveals about life. Uh, when, the, when the enemy tries to deceive us, as we talked about last week, and by the way, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to get that message. Uh, it's about living in a kingdom narrative, and it's so foundational to everything. Um, but when the enemy tries to get us to envision, to mentally imagine, sin, which is dangerous and destructive, as something positive, uh, or tries to get us to imagine living in a kingdom life as something negative, uh, our job is to wear the truth. Uh, the, the truth is that, 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 that God, Jesus Christ, came to give us abundant life. And, and uh, that's because the Father wants us to have abundant life, wants us to live life to the full, wants us to be filled with his love and his joy and his peace and his power. He wants that for us. And so all the way that he calls us to walk, this kingdom life that we're to adopt, it involves sacrifice. Uh, denying yourself, but it is good and it is beneficial. It's the right way to live, the best way to live. It's how God designed us to live, and so so we, our job is to envision that as a positive thing. Um, the enemy tries to try to get that to be a negative thing, but we have to envision that as something positive because we're hardwired to act on whatever our greatest want is, and we're hardwired to want whatever we're envisioning is most positive in our brain. So be a disciple of your brain and be envisioning the, the, the positive as actually positive. And, and, and then to everything that contradicts with that kingdom way of life. Uh, it may look good. It, 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 the, the deceiver is always trying to you know, put a shine on it. It looks like it's going to be pleasurable and beneficial, and maybe in the short term it feels like that. But it's ugly and destructive, and our job is to see it as ugly and destructive. Everything that contradicts the kingdom way of life. Because if we envision it as ugly and destructive, we won't want it, and so we won't do it. Uh, that's where the battle is fought between our, our, our ears. Take the truth that is revealed uh, on the cross about God about yourself about others and about life and and put that around you and wear it 24/7 uh, it, it, it's what holds everything else together your life will be as together as you are surrounded by truth and uh, that's how it, you, you will be your life will be as kingdomized as you are surrounded by truth so put that on and don't take it off you want to go to bed at night don't even take the belt off then why why you know it's just you might, you might dream true thoughts instead of—dream uh, true, true dreams instead of false dreams. There you go. So, so where, even when you go to bed, it holds everything together. Then Paul says, put on—he says, therefore, take up the whole armor, God, so that you— blah, blah, blah. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and now put on the breastplate of righteousness. All right. So this is the second article of clothing we're to make sure we have on. Breastplate of Righteousness. Now, when, when people think about righteousness today, they tend to think about uh, someone who's ethical. Oh, what a righteous dude. Um, I guess not that, that's not what it means, is it, when they say righteous? It means, like, good-looking. What does the word righteous mean in pop culture? Oh, Righteous. I hear that said once in a while. Right, that's righteous. I don't know what it means. But, but <laughs> church people usually mean ethical or holy or something like that. And, um, yeah, because yeah, I'm, I'm, 50, I'm 55 and older, so I don't know what righteous means. <laughs> There's a quote for you. So, um, we think it means ethical, and and it it, it certainly has that component to it. But the biblical concept of righteousness is much richer than that. Like so many other concepts in the Bible, righteousness is a covenantal concept. And it it has to do with our relationships. To be righteous is to be rightly related. Right related to God and rightly related to others. Uh, When you read righteous in the Bible, you can just replace that with right relatedness. And that really makes quite a difference. Uh, And so we're to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, uh, on one level, the breastplate of righteousness is simply Jesus Christ, because our right relatedness with God and with others and the whole of creation was accomplished on Calvary. And our job as disciples is to manifest that truth by actually cultivating right relationships, to manifest what Christ has already accomplished. All All of our discipleship is really nothing more than that putting on display what is already true about us by virtue of uh, Jesus Christ's death on the cross. But what Paul's saying there is this, and this is why he associates it with the breastplate. The breastplate protected the soldier's vital organs, especially their heart. And so Paul is saying, now that you put on the belt of truth and you walk in the truth about who God is, who you are, who others are, and about life, uh, now guard, make sure that you're protecting uh, your right relatedness. Make sure that you're guarding all your relationships. Uh, your relationship with God. Make sure that you don't ever take that for granted. Don't get casual with that. Don't, don't, don't think you can ever coast with that. Uh, if you think you can coast with that, see, there is an ever-present cosmic thief who wants to kill, steal, and destroy that relationship. And he's always working to pull us downward. So if we're not extending an effort to be going upward, we're going to be going downward without noticing it. Make sure that you invest in that relationship. Um, I encourage us to have regular times where we just have a date with Jesus. Carve out a block of time where you sit and just bask in his love for you, which rekindles your love for him. And that's the center of the kingdom right there, folks, because everything we do is supposed to be done out of this motivation of love, our love for him and the love we get from him. So make time to, to have that relationship and just enjoy him enjoying you. Uh, and I encourage us throughout the day to, to be aware of, of, of God, to invest in the relationship throughout the day. Uh, if you love someone, you talk to them, right? Husbands, listen up. If you love someone, you talk with them. Yeah? You share your heart with them. You're concerned with them. You're open with them. And not just once in a while, right? But when they're around. Well, God's always around, and so I encourage us to be talking to God throughout the day, and listening to God throughout the day, and responding to God throughout the day, and invite him in on your conversations. And, and you know, when you go shopping, this will, this will sound weird, but don't go shopping alone because you're not shopping alone. Jesus is with you and it won't hurt for you to remember that and and, and, and talk with him. Now, if you're in the shopping store, you might want to not, not talk too loud to him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jesus. I, yeah. People think it's a little weird, but, but I mean, invite him in on every aspect of your life. That's just what it looks like to have a right relationship with God. So also with our relationships with others. Um, it, don't take any of those relationships for granted uh, and and. And don't think you can coast of those relationships, whether it's your spouse or your kids or relatives or neighbors. Uh, we need to prioritize our relationships so that we have a, 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 there's a proportion in terms of what we invest. Uh, we shouldn't it, it's take the relationships that, are, are, are that you're most responsible for and that are the most important to you, and they should get the bulk of your time. And, and we've got to take care, guard our hearts, so that we are, are investing time and love and energy into those relationships. Never take him for granted. Um, and, and, and when conflict arises, and conflict will, of course, arise, that's just part of living in this world, uh, keep a clean account. Uh, deal with things as quickly as possible. And get reconciliation as quickly as possible. And forgive as quickly as possible. You don't want to go to bed with that anger. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 4, 25 and 26, when you're angry, don't sin. And here's how you would sin. You sin by going to bed with your anger, harboring it in your heart. You didn't deal with it. You think you can just forget about it, but it doesn't work like that. It begins to fester on the inside, and that begins to damage you and damage the relationship. And then Paul says, in doing that, we give the devil a foothold. We open up the door to the cosmic thief to come in and start to kill, steal, and destroy in our hearts and in the relationship. So deal with things quickly. That's just what it looks like to be rightly related, to be rightly related. And for strangers to be rightly related simply means that we agree with God that they have unsurpassable worth, and that's the only opinion we're allowed to have of them. And and so practice right-relatedness in all your relationships, family, friends, and even with with, uh, uh, strangers. That's the breastplate, and it will guard your heart. One of the ways the enemy most sows junk in our heart is through bad relationships and wrong relationships and relationships that aren't rightly related. So keep your relationships right with God and with others. Then Paul says, Now for your shoes, uh, as shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim The gospel of peace. The word gospel means good news. And the peace that Paul's talking about is not just like a personal peace, though it includes that. Uh, And it's not just the absence of conflict, which is what the world usually means by peace. And we're looking for peace in the Middle East. And when they say that, they're not looking for love in the Middle East. They're just looking for people to stop killing themselves. But the peace that Paul's talking about is not that. Uh, The biblical concept of peace is, is shalom. Uh, And it refers to the all-encompassing harmony of God, God's own harmony shared with all of creation. Uh, And the good news is that God has unleashed that shalom into this world and he did it with Jesus Christ. He says this in Colossians chapter one. He says, says, for in him uh, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven by making peace, shalom, through the blood of the cross. Uh, the, rea- the truth is that on the cross, uh, well, Jesus' death changed everything. Uh, I can't get into the mechanics of this just right now, but, but there's a whole new creation because of the cross, and old things have passed away, uh, and God has reconciled all things to himself. That's why he tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that in this new creation, God's not holding anyone's sin against them. Um, and, and all things have been reconciled to God, and therefore all things have been reconciled to, to each other. God's perfect, all-encompassing harmony has been unleashed into this world. Now, we, of course, don't see this right now. Uh, the world is yet under this cloud of deception, this present darkness. Uh, people still believe the lies of the enemy, and sometimes we ourselves believe the lies of the enemy, and that empowers the enemy uh, over us. It gives him authority. Um, but that doesn't change the truth that this is what the cross accomplished. It changed everything. Everything. Reconciled everything that, that, that remains true, even though it's not yet manifested. And those of us who believe that good news uh, are called to be his, Christ's ambassadors. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, we are God's billboard. And so it is our honor and our privilege and our responsibility to be proclaiming the good news of this peace. Hey world, guess what? Everything changed 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, and therefore you've changed 2,000 years ago. And God has a claim on your life and he's not holding your sin against you, but he's, he's embracing you even right now. Will you accept that? And to be inviting people in on this beautiful kingdom. Yes, it's our honor and our privilege to be able to be bearers of the good news. And Paul associates this with, uh, with, with the military shoes because he's saying, wherever you go, be ready to proclaim this good news. When an opportunity presents itself, don't, don't be a butthead forcing it down on people, but, but, but look for opportunities to be proclaiming this good news. Uh, make that the shoes that you wear. Not only that, but there's this. Uh, and the, the military shoes that these folks wore, the boots, were, they had fortified soles. And the reason is because uh, one of the strategies enemies, natural enemies used back then, is that if, if, if they were being pursued by another army, they would uh, hide spikes in the ground, like in the weeds and tall grass. Uh, so the, other, uh, the enemy pursuing them would step on it, uh, step on those. And it's really hard to walk, let alone fight and run, if you've got a hole in your foot. And so part of what Paul's getting at here is this. He's saying that when you are living as an ambassador and you're ready to proclaim the good news, uh, that itself offers you a kind of divine protection against the deceptive spikes of the enemy. That itself is a kind of protection. If you're living life like, like normal people do, you know, the, most people live their life with a, a, no purpose that's bigger than themselves and their loved ones. That's the purpose that, that defines what they're about. And see, if you're living like that, uh, you're, you're much more vulnerable to the enemy's deception than if you're living with a purpose. In fact, if you're living like that, you're already under deception because you aren't living as though you had a purpose that was bigger than yourself and your loved ones. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be believing all sorts of lies, and you won't be knowing it. What Paul is saying then is is that if if in contrast to that, we live as ambassadors, if we live with an intention, we live with a mission, we live with a purpose that's bigger than ourselves, uh, we live with an awareness of what God is up to in this world and live with the awareness that that we have a role, an important role to play in that, he's saying that is divine protection against the deception of the enemy. He's saying that in this war zone world in which we live, uh, the, the safest way to live is on the front lines where you're advancing the cause. That's the safest place to be. The most dangerous place to be is back here where you're just living for yourself. I think that, that there's no purpose greater than yourself. Uh, that, that's dangerous. Uh, we may think there's a neutral zone in this war zone world, but there's not. The neutral zone is itself a deception zone. You don't want to be there. You don't, you don't want to be there. Um, I know some people who have, they, they're hesitant to really sell out for Christ, uh, to really be passionate about Christ because they think it's going to be too costly. They know it's going to have to, you'll have to adjust their priorities and values and things like that. Uh, and they think it's too costly, but the truth, folks, the truth is that it's too costly not to be sold out to Jesus Christ. That's what's costing you everything. Amen. And the fullness of life that he promises comes when you're on the front line. All the good stuff of the kingdom comes when you're on the front line and you're surrounded by truth and you're walking in that truth and you're walking with a purpose. That's the safe place to be. That's the blessed place to be. Put on the shoes of the readiness to proclaim the gospel of peace. Amen? Amen. And then now number four. Paul says, put on the shield of faith. Here's, here's what he says exactly. He says, And with all of these, take the shield of faith. Do not leave your shield at home, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Okay, to understand what the shield of faith is about, we need to understand what faith is about. And a lot of people have screwy ideas about what faith is. Uh, this will be a review if you've been here for any length of time, because I talk about this a lot, but it's an important review. And it'll be a brief one, so listen up. There's the shield of faith, See? Okay, in Hebrews 11, it says this. Now, faith is the substantiating, and the word there is hupostasis, of things hoped for, the conviction, the word there is elegos, of things not seen. That's the Darby translation, and Darby gets this one verse absolutely right. He's saying faith is the substantiating of things that you hope for or things that you, you believe to be true. It's, it's seeing as a mental image, making as a substantial reality. In your imagination, you envision what it is you believe to be true. And the more vividly you imagine that, the more it creates in you a conviction that it is so. And this is one of the ways that we're hardwired. Uh, we, we're, the more vividly you imagine anything, the more it moves you, the more it impacts you, uh, the, the deeper your conviction about it becomes. And so faith is taking truth and envisioning it in concrete, vivid ways that create in us a conviction that it is so, which then inclines us to want it, which then inclines us to walk in it. Faith isn't the absence of doubt. Faith is rather walking in a particular way in the midst of doubt. And what motivates that is we're envisioning what we believe to be true or what we anticipate as though it was so. We see it in our mind. We imagine that. And it creates this conviction that drives us in that direction. And see, that has the power to put out the fiery uh, arrows of of the enemy, those deceptive arrows that try to get get us to believe wrong things and therefore live in false ways. Uh, it's, It's very close to what we talked about last week. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to get that message. Uh, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, or 10. Part of our fundamental jobs as disciples is to destroy in our brain every logismos, which is a reasoning process. And by the way, if you're visiting here for the first time or podcasting for the first time, you just got to know that this is a smart congregation, so we deal with the Greek a lot, all right? Yeah. And we're also very modest. It's part of our perfection. So there, <laughs> there you go. So destroy every logismos, every reasoning process, and every hoopsoma, uh, every mental image. Hupsoma is very close to hupostasis. Uh, they're both hoopo, you might have noticed. Uh, very similar concepts. It's about imagining something in a concrete way. Everything that conflicts with the knowledge of God, and, to, and in doing that, we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Because the knowledge of God is all about Christ. And so uh, this is really the shield of faith. Envision. Uh, Come against everything, every image, every thought that contradicts what you know to be true in Jesus Christ. And now envision everything you know to be true in Jesus Christ in vivid ways. Because that creates the conviction that it is so and moves you in in a certain direction. So really saying, take the belt of truth, which you need to have. It holds everything together. But you also need to have a shield of faith. Where you take the truths of that belt and now put it in your brain and see it and envision it. So don't just know about God. No, don't just know truths about God, but rather there has to be times where we, we encounter the living God and we, 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 we see Jesus and imagine Jesus. In your dates with Jesus, uh, uh, ask the Spirit to help you get a vivid picture of him and, and, and hear him and see him and experience him. And it's, 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 it's good to know about the truth that God loves you, but we need to experience it. And that happens that we'll experience that leg cost when the, our, our image of God becomes a ho- ho- hoopsoma, or hoopostasis, uh, a concrete, vivid image in our brain. Don't just know the truth about God, but rather experience it. You have times where you see Him, even throughout the day. Um, you know, you're going to go shopping with Jesus, because uh, Jesus is with you when you go shopping, and when you mow the lawn, and when you go to work, and whatever you're doing, he's there. And, and just, I sometimes, just imagine him right alongside of me. I'm driving the car and there's Jesus we talk. Or sometimes I just sense his presence. Um, and this can you know, be kind of weird up to people if you don't know what. Oh, so you got an imaginary friend named Jesus. That's, that's, and that's special. But see, I have really good reasons for thinking that that imaginary friend isn't just imaginary. The, the, Jesus really is there. The question is, will my mind line up with that truth or not? And, and, uh, and so see Jesus going with you throughout the day. That Now you're having faith. You don't just know the truth about God. You're having faith that this is so. And the more vividly you imagine it, the deeper that conviction becomes. Now the same means, don't just know the about you. That's good. That's your belt. You need to know the truth about you. But there has to be times where you actually envision that concretely, have faith in that concretely. Don't just know that you're more than a conqueror. That's a good thing to wear on your belt. But there's times when the enemy comes at you and, and is, is telling you that that's not true, where you need to take that out. And now you, you, you use a shield. You imagine yourself. What do you look like when you, when you act as more than a conqueror? I encourage you to, in prayer, run, run like, like previews of that, uh, especially in like, a situation where you act least like a conqueror. Imagine that situation, and now see yourself in that same situation, but as as vividly as possible, see yourself being more than a conqueror in that situation. Because, folks, if you can't see it, you're never going to do it. And the seeing it is just a rehearsal for the doing it. In fact, everything we do is simply an external manifestation of what we're already seeing and hearing and doing between our ears. And so to have faith is to take the truth of God and envision it in concrete ways. And that has the power to put out the flaming, deceptive arrows of the enemy. Amen. Amen. And then finally he says this. He says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Helmet of salvation. Paul's talking in metaphorical language here about this armor because it's a spiritual warfare we fight, not a physical one. Uh, But because it's a metaphor, some of the articles of clothing overlap a little bit especially because they're all about truth. Um, and so the helmet of salvation overlaps with the, the, the belt of truth. It's, it's a very similar concept. Because what Paul is saying is, is, as a helmet, guard your mind with the truth about your salvation. Make sure that everything you're thinking is in line with the truth of your salvation. And salvation for Paul, unlike a lot of people today, it's not just about, or even primarily about, going to heaven when you die. Uh, The biblical concept of salvation has to do with our whole relationship with God, that life-transforming, marriage-like relationship that we have with God in Jesus Christ. Uh, That's why the Bible talks about salvation in three tenses. We have been saved, but we're still being saved, and we shall be saved, because it's about us growing in this relationship, uh, getting our mind and life to line up with the truth about this relationship. That's salvation. And so Paul is saying, make sure that everything that you're thinking is consistent with your relationship with God in Jesus Christ. Uh, bring every thought captive to that uh, and, and, and bring about that alignment. Guard your mind. Be attentive to what's going on between your ears because everything you do in life is simply an outworking of what you're doing between your ears. That's the helmet of salvation. And then finally, he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Think about how Jesus responded to the temptation in the desert. Uh, with, with every temptation, he said, it is written. It is written. And see, he's speaking the word of God. Now, notice this. He didn't just think it is written. He said it. And there's a power in that spoken word. There really is a power in that spoken word. Uh, The word of God is a spoken word. That's why it's called a word. It's not called the thought of God. It's the word of God. it, it, It needs to be expressed. And in saying it is written... Uh, what Jesus is saying and what we're saying is this word is not just my word and it doesn't just have my authority. It's not my clever thinking. This is the word of the creator. This is the word of the one who knows all truth and who speaks only truth. And, and, and when we say it is written, we're standing under his authority. And our word becomes God's word. And now it becomes a sword that can completely slay the lies of the enemy. I uh, can just demolish all, all the deception of the enemy. I, I just have an illustration of a sword uh, for, for, this, for this one. I just thought it would be good to uh, illustrate what a sword is concretely here. So the, the, the Word of God is the sword. And so we're, we're, we're to wear this belt when we have all this truth. But there's times when, you just, when you're under assault where you just take out your sword and, and, and you go after that lie. You just cut that lie down. Because it's not about your authority. It's about standing in God's authority. Amen? Amen. Whatever truth is appropriate to whatever lies coming at you. It is, it, I, 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 if you don't know some of the truth that the scripture says about you, uh, I, I encourage you to, to make that a, a, something that you just memorize. Uh, we've got a sheet uh, at the info desk that lists some of the truths, things that are true about you because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Um, and, and I encourage you to memorize that stuff. If you're going to memorize anything in life, memorize this because this is about who you are. This is about your identity, so that you're, you've just got to Make that part of the background chatter of your yapping brain, which never shuts up. Let it run on those kind of truths, because this is the truth about who you are. And, 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 and so when you're feeling temptation to think or live in a way that's inconsistent with your salvation, inconsistent with your identity in Christ, uh, that's where you need to say, it is written. And, and when you're feeling a temptation to, to envision your lust as a positive thing rather than the ugly thing that it is, or when you're tempted to uh, not love another person, to, to identify them as an enemy and to have hateful thoughts or judgmental thoughts towards them, that's when you take out that sword. And you point at the devil, and that can be in any direction you want because he's all around, and you say, it is written, my name is Inigo Mentoya." Laughter. You're no match for my father, so that lie must prepare to die. <laughs> and then you slay that lie. You just decapitate that, 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 that deception. You dismember that falsehood. Choo, 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 choo. Wield that sword. It is written. Stand in that authority, not your own authority. That's why we're to be strong in the power of the Lord. Not our own power. We don't got any power. Uh, we're to be strong in the power of the Lord and... That comes through the sword of the Lord. So I want to end here by practicing this. Let's, let's practice some sword wielding, okay? Um, and we're going to have a responsive reading. And we also have copies of this at the info desk if you want to get, take this and memorize it. But we're just going to, uh, I'll, I'll read uh, the first line and you guys read the second line. Uh, and you don't have to quote the verses that I give there because those verses are just there to reassure you that this is in fact uh, the word of God. And, and as we recite these truths, as we wield this sword, It's so important that we give God more authority, God's word more authority than our own experience. Our own experience maybe doesn't match up with this, but that doesn't matter. Uh, Let God be true in every experience a lie. Uh, Let let God be true in every other voice you've ever heard in your head be a lie. Uh, We've got to stand on this truth. It's by saying this truth and envisioning this truth and believing this truth that we're transformed into this truth. All right. So would you stand and I want us to read this and read it like you mean it. We're going to speak it. It's a spoken word. It can be a hollered word if you want. So when the deceiver says God doesn't care about us, we say, It is written. In Christ we are God's beloved children and dear friends. Hallelujah. We just sang about that. And when the deceiver says God has abandoned us, we say, It is, it is written. written. Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. And nothing in heaven or on earth or in hell can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Hallelujah. When the deceiver says we are guilty and condemned, we say, it is written, in Christ we are holy and blameless and freed from all condemnation. Praise God. Amen. Amen. When the deceiver says we are stupid idiots, we say, it is written, we have been given the mind of Christ and are bathed with wisdom and understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when the deceiver says we are poor and weak, we say, it is written, in Christ we are blessed with every spiritual blessing and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Slay down the lies. Amen. And when the, de- and when the deceiver does what he did with Brianna, we saw that earlier, when the deceiver tries to make us fearful and anxious, we say, it is written, we are filled with God's own fearless spirit and filled with God's own joy and peace. That is the truth. Wield it. Wield it. And when the deceiver says we are losers who will never overcome our failings, we take out a truth from our belt and it becomes a sword and we say, it is written, in Christ we are more than conquerors in all things and we are destined to be totally transformed into Christ's own likeness. Amen. Let it be true. Let it be so. And when that snivelly thief comes at us and reminds us of our shameful past, we say, it is written, everything Satan had against us has been nailed to the cross, which is why Satan is now a laughingstock to us. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. This is, fill your brain with this stuff, folks. When the deceiver says our shortcomings make us unlovable, we say... It is written, we are the beloved bride of Christ and we ravish the heart of God and make him sing and clap his hands in delight over us. Hallelujah. He's rejoicing. And when that deceiver says that our future is looking very bleak and getting us depressed and pessimistic, we say, get lost. It is written, in Christ we have an eternal inheritance of unimaginable glory. Praise God. Amen. Wheel that sword. Ah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So you can pick that up at the info desk if you want, along with that other sheet that has a more comprehensive list of these things. This is what we're supposed to wear day in and day out, folks. Just... Always be ready. Put out those flaming arrows of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, if you're here t- uh, this morning and have any need that could use prayer, I will invite you to come forward and prayer teams will be up here on, by the stairs and let them pray for you. They would just love to, to saturate you with that the power of prayer. And if you're here this morning and you're not a surrendered follower of Jesus, I encourage t- to you to consider becoming one. And if you come up here and talk to these folks, uh, they would love to explain what, what's involved in that. So, Army, as we leave this place, we're going out into a war zone. It's war out there. Uh, It's this present darkness out there. Uh, Most of the world doesn't see it, but we see it. And so make sure that you're dressed appropriately with the whole armor of God, ready to do battle, proclaim the gospel of peace, and wield the sword of truth. If you agree with that, say amen and go out and do battle. God bless you guys. Love you.